Welcome to this week's edition of the St. Paul Podcast. I'm Peter Marty, Senior Pastor of St. Paul Lutheran Church, located in the heart of Davenport, Iowa. Right here each week, you can hear a message to inspire your walk with God and hear beautiful music to fill your life. Let this podcast be your occasion to contemplate some of the deepest things in life, just as I hope it helps faith come alive for you. Hi, this is Max Franks, resident pastor at St. Paul Lutheran Church, and it is a joy to be on this podcast with you today. Today is a day when Christians all around the world reflect on the baptism of Jesus, which in many ways prompts us to reflect more deeply about our baptisms and what it means to be baptized children of God. We live in a world that probably more than at any other time so eagerly and with great precision, seeks to compel us to identify with many undeliverable or even death-wielding identities. Our identities are like linchpins. Think of a linchpin. They fasten to wheels. They keep the wheels secure. And they fasten to our wheels and allow us to move forward in life with self-worth, purpose, and meaning If the linchpin comes loose and the wheels fall off, when we lose our identity or it stops us in our tracks when the wheel falls off, we can struggle to wake up in the morning and to find meaning and purpose in our lives, and it makes it so hard to move forward. The identity that never wears out and that can never fail us is the one we have through our baptism, one that calls us child of God beloved one, with whom God is well pleased. This identity never wears out. 
Identities are something we all crave. We all need a sense of self-worth and purpose. And today is an opportunity to face and to shake off those things which we depend on to make us feel worthy or loved and accepted and to recognize how loved and accepted we already are. If we take the bait, which is all around us, on our screens and elsewhere, that tells us we need to pay and buy our way into an identity, into being acceptable and worthy, then we fall so easily to that which cannot deliver. And because through God and Christ, we're not forced to pay for any of it, but we've been purchased. We've been given so much that we did nothing to earn. When we fall for an identity that is not truly ours, we struggle to see ourselves and neighbors as God sees us, fighting for an identity that ultimately can't allow us to see what God has done for us in Christ. The reading today comes from Matthew's Gospel, the third chapter. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Here are some thoughts. Well, friends, grace and peace to you on this first Sunday after Epiphany. And although Christmas may be over and we're in kind of that bleak midwinter Iowa season, today certainly is a day to be celebrated. It's a day about baptism. And the first words that Jesus speaks in this Gospel of Matthew are essentially, allow me to be baptized now. This is necessary. And he says these words to John the Immerser, John the Baptist, his cousin. But over countless years, many Christians have asked a question. If Jesus is the Messiah, why in the world would he need to be baptized by John? And even John himself is confused and reluctant at Jesus' request. He says, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you, so why are you coming to me? And I think we'd all agree that it's intuitive and suitable for the teacher to baptize the student and for the master to initiate the amateur. But Jesus tells him that it needs to be done, that it's God's will. So John agrees and baptizes Jesus. Now another curious aspect about this story is that John was practicing a baptism of the repentance for the forgiveness of sins. But we know Jesus is the one who was sinless. And the idea of Jesus' sinlessness goes all the way back to Paul. You find it, for example, in 1 Corinthians where it says, For our sake God made the one who knew no sin to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. 
So the question then might become, why does Jesus, who is without sin and who is the Son of God, the Messiah, need to be baptized at all? The section that I think gives us the biggest clue is what comes after when the Spirit descends onto Jesus, as the Scripture says, like a dove. And then, the, then the heavens open and God speaks these words. This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So here, holy baptism isn't only about forgiveness. It's about being claimed and marked by God as God's beloved, an identity that precedes any other. And for Jesus, this baptism, this moment, commissions his journey and his mission to go out and heal and save the world, along with it, with this assurance through his baptism that God will be with him through it all. Even Jesus, before he embarks out into the world, needs a reminder of who he is. And I wonder if it's because the world in its state then, and especially still in our times today, is so good at identifying and defining us by many, many names. Names like Democrat or Republican, conservative or liberal, American or foreigner, gay or straight, rich or poor, black or white, cool or nerd, and the list goes on. In addition, we are also increasingly named by the products we use or the stores at which we shop. Brands like Nike, Apple, Mercedes-Benz, Lululemon, Patagonia, again, the list goes on. And these are not just company names but brands that we so often seek out to help convey our identities. In an article from Duke Today, Carl Bates unpacks results from a marketing and psychology research project, which showed that, quote from one of the researchers, the brand name logo on a laptop or a shirt pocket may do the same thing for some people that a pendant of a crucifix or Star of David does for others. The studies also showed that religion reduces brand reliance by apparently satisfying the need to express self-worth. As one of the other researchers put it, brands are a signal of self-worth. We're signaling to others that we care about ourselves and that we feel good about ourselves and that we matter in this world. It's more than I'm cool or hip. It's that I'm a worthwhile person and I matter. And you should respect me and think that I'm a good person because I've got the Dolce & Gabbana logo on my glasses. And one of the other several things that this study showed, but what I think was most important, is that our self-worth when it's understood in terms of transcendent worthiness, the more we come to realize this kind of baptismal identity or this inherent human value that goes beyond the dollar value of our jackets or our shoes or our purses or perhaps our earning potential. And the more likely 
we identify with this inherent human value, this transcendent identity that we have in Christ through our baptisms, the more likely we are to live a life of purpose and meaning beyond the superficial trappings of modern day life. And when we do this, it allows us not to just see ourselves as beloved, but it allows us also to see others with Christ-like eyes, to see others as God sees them, beyond the shallow identifiers that we so often use and pick out to judge others, or even entire groups of people. So was Christ baptized so that he wouldn't slip into identifying himself by the quality of his donkey or the brand name of his sandals? I think, of course not. But was his identity as God's beloved a sturdy and unshakable foundation for him as he followed God while also confronting rejection by those in his hometown and elsewhere when he was challenged and ridiculed by the state and religious authorities for speaking truth or when he was rigorously tempted by Satan in the wilderness fasting for 40 days? And also when disgustingly mocked as he journeyed to a gruesome death on the cross? I think 100% yes. And anyone, maybe even Jesus, would have crumbled under those pressures, those scrutinies, and those challenges without the assurance and the affirmation from God of who he truly is, which likely sustained him and can also sustain us through all of life's most challenging circumstances. But the significance of Jesus' baptism extends far beyond just this one moment in time. We too have this same assurance and share this same name beloved through our baptism. So when we face unrelenting hurt or loss or sin and death or just plain old insecurity, we too can boldly face what the world tosses our way with a certain assurance that through our baptism, Christ, God among us, walks with us. When I was in seminary, I served in a suburban context in Kansas City. And at the midpoint, I found it necessary to get some rural church experience so I was sent down to Savinburg, Kansas, in the southeastern corner, a two-hour drive. It was originally settled by Swedish immigrants, many of them farmers, and still to this day a farming community. It's an old, beautiful Augustana Lutheran church in the middle of nowhere. I certainly got what I was asking for. And as the council president put it, this dwindling church was without a pastor. And he said, people just don't live out in the country like they used to. One Sunday while I was in Savinburg, I got to preach on this story, only it was from Mark's Gospel. And my sermon was, of course, about baptism, about which I mentioned a few similar points that I'm making today. And after the service, a man whose hands were as rough as sandpaper, but whose heart was as soft as a baby's, came up to me, and we were acquaintances by that point, 
And he said, in light of my sermon, that he wanted to share a story with me. And I want to share it with you. It went something like this. He said, years ago, I was a farmer. Being a farmer was my identity. Every day, I would wake up, put on my clothes and cap, and proudly wear the identity of being a farmer. That was who I was until things went south and both the bank and I decided that I wasn't. Who was I was the question I wrestled with. I was attending our synod's parish lay ministry classes at the time and then it hit me. I drove up to friend's home church, went and poured water in the font and traced the mark of the cross on my forehead. I had an identity that could never be taken away. I was, am, and will always be a child of God. That name, that identity, became known as a powerful part of me from then on. And I share this story with you today for two reasons. Number one, identity is something we all wrestle with, no matter our social location, our age, or economic status. And sometimes when we face situations of conflict with our identity, they come unexpectedly. Number two, the power of our baptismal identities makes life and death difference. This man, this farmer, like many others, could have become shipwrecked, could have spiraled downward and lost not only his own sense of self-worth, but also lose his ability to be of service to his family and to his community and to his church, to be there for others. In a world where we're reminded more often of brand identifiers than baptismal ones, we're countercultural to pay attention to reminders of our baptismal identities which so often go unnoticed. And, and I miss these too. Confession of sin that we do in worship is a time to remember our baptism, this idea of repentance. Communion is also an extension of the baptismal promise of God with and for us. And even at the end of service, the dismissal from worship is the time for us to be sent forth to live out our baptism in various roles and vocations in the world. Never before have so many been willing to offer us an identity in today's time, most often linked to a product being sold. And whether you are young or old, rich or poor, steeped in the faith or relatively new, we all crave a sense of identity. And we are all also too susceptible to such false promises. And for this reason, there is no better time than the present than today in 2023 to hear the word and the promise that Jesus was born, baptized, ministered, lived and died and was raised again to demonstrate in word and through his actions just how much God loves and embraces us. Amen.
let us pray as Jesus taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. So go away from here today, and be mindful of God's love for you. And remember, your identity as a child of God never wears out, never goes out of style, and sustains you and all of us through all of life's challenges and chapters. Amen. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, and thanks for your support of the ministries of St. Paul Lutheran Church. Our commitment to projects that lend hope to other people stretches across the country and around the world. We hope that in a good way you feel a part of that reach. Tune in next Thursday for another edition of the St. Paul Podcast.